Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Caucus. This is the 13th episode of Caucus and perhaps our last. We're backed by popular demand. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is one extra, isn't it? Hanging, hanging from the ledge by our fingertips. At Hi, this everyone. Point. I'm Tim Watkin. And I'm Lisa Owen. And I'm Guy and Espiner. It's about quarter to ten uh, on Thursday morning this time when we're starting this. And we usually say that, you know, events may change. Um, but actually, events probably won't change because we're all waiting for the next 10 days or so until the specials are counted. Yeah. Is it 96? Oh, no, it's 2017. <laughs> But um, there is quite a lot of echo, isn't there? Oh, yes, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, most especially, I guess, to start with this morning is a certain press conference that was held yesterday where Winston Peters finally arrived in Wellington after the election and decided to talk to the press gallery um, from the from the same stage that the Prime Minister usually talks from yeah. and, um, and stood up and... How do we describe the press conference? Well, I kind of, I described it. There he was in his perfect pinstripe suit, like a mafioso. He walked into that room, pulled out a Tommy gun and just let rip on the press. I certainly felt big a, time. I felt like an abusive relationship to me. I've on this on this <laughs> on this program actually defended him as a as a man who takes his mandate seriously and a, and a serious constitutionalist, and he behaved like a, a petulant child yesterday. And he wanted exactly that. Let's not kid anyone about what he was walking into. There'll be a lot of people, and perhaps some listening to this and watching the media and thinking, oh well, that's the media scrapping with Winston Peters, and that it was some sort of game. But it's exactly what he wanted. He walked. I mean, who's held a press conference with nothing? to say before. I mean, he knew that he didn't want to say anything and he held a press conference to complain about the media and he knew that he would combust with any of the questions that were asked. Mm. So we have to presume that he wanted exactly what he saw on the 6 o'clock news and on the radio bulletins and that is him castigating the press, abusing the press, criticising people uh, as to where they came from and laughing about that. This is exactly what he wanted you ask yourself why? Why did he want that? I mean, what was a diversion tactic to 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 suck energy out of complaints that he's waiting too long? Does he just like to have the image of him battling the press? Because he knows a lot of people don't like the media. I think it's a combination of those two things. I do think he likes to be seen as the champion of the people and everyone likes to hate on the press. And you're right, he came fully prepared. He had props. He had a copy of the newspaper and print-offs of old articles. So he was he was fully geared up, ready to go, and that was his exact plan, I believe. And I did find some of the, um, the barbs went beyond just normal um, normal sort of jousting with the press pack that was nigh on insulting and I agree some of the comments he made about people's origins um, were incredibly insulting and he was insulting to other members of the press gallery who have good strong reputations as balanced journalists and it was inappropriate. Let's capture a a, a tenor of of this uh, press conference for people who um, didn't have the delight of watching it in full. (laughs) Um, Have a listen to this, Rangi. Now, frankly, if that's the uh, value you place on journalistic integrity, you go right ahead. You should be, frankly, ashamed of yourselves. Well, you're not getting a free hit here, mate. Get that free hit right now. But why on earth would you ask a question like that? It is a totally unreasonable question. Well, I I can't see the sense of holding a press conference you're going to ask a question like that. In the meantime, that's a totally impertinent question. This is a party political matter. 
Of course you'd be struggling. You're news of the world person. That doesn't anything about facts and honesty and integrity. Don't come and ask a silly question like that. So that's Winston Peters um, knowing that if you criticise the media and then they complain about it, then most people are going to take the side even of, of Winston Peters. And I just want to make that point really clearly. I don't care about journalists with hurt feelings. And that's with respect to my colleagues. Sure. Sure. I don't care about that. I, I'm interested in what the voter is seeing. They've gone out and thought about these issues carefully. We've all debated them very at, at length. There seemed there was an engagement. There was a pretty good turnout at the election. And now they are hoping to see some sort of serious consideration of a formation of government, and that's what they get. And this is what gets me, is that this is the time for grown-ups, right? This is a time when we are, we are technically between governments, when we're actually, you know, there is there is contest on the campaign, and we've defended the right for people to have a crack in this podcast. Um, but we've also talked a lot about taking Winston seriously and, and the fact that we often don't, as journalists in this country, do that well enough, and I think we all need to take some responsibility for that. This is a guy who has three times now held the balance of power um, in my lifetime and we should be costing him harder we should be reporting him harder and we should be questioning him harder he we but we do tend to joke along with him too much and i think that's a problem and we're now reaping what we sow with this i agree now, with that the journalists love that as much as many of them and i know i'll probably get some flack from from my colleagues look but, and, that, and that's but, probably but I think, as I think much they on him love as them they love that as much as he did yeah i just want to yeah. say before we move on from this um i think it's important to let people know what were the questions the kind of questions that he were being he was being asked that um delivered those answers. Yes. It was very simple things like will you be talking to any of the parties ahead of the special votes? What would the nature of those conversations be? Who is going to be on your negotiating team? So they were very straightforward procedural type questions which mm. could, in my view, easily have been answered with uh, a degree of information without without giving your hand. He was also asked about things like bottom lines and his positions on certain policies. Again, core issues for a negotiation which he just batted aside in that, and, in and that let's, way. And let's just, just lay this down here. He um, is a guy who, who even in, in this press conference talks about the importance of democracy, the seriousness of the institutions of state, um, the, the responsibility of power um, and we should be able to take him in his word on that. Instead, he plays this joke routine where he just lays into people. It's not, when, when you are sitting back and going, Blim and media and their stupid obsessions. Just take a step back and think of the game he's playing and the hypocrisy, I think, of, of, a, of a politician who, who goes out one day and says, I need to be taken seriously, and the next day goes out and just does an attack press conference. What a, it's, it's ridiculous. And he has said before at some length, and I've mentioned this before in this program, and um, <laughs> there's, there's a few sides because I keep coming back to it, but I think it's important <laughs> because he has once laid out his thinking in some detail in a written speech that's important. He's considered it, he's written it, he gave it in 2005 in the run-up to that election to tell us about how he looks at coalition formations. And he started by saying, how will New Zealand first decide which of the two parties to support? And he goes on, and this is direct quotes, according to constitutional convention... The party which gains the most seats is the party which must first try and form a government. We will support this constitutional convention in the first instance. So that was the position in 2005. And he's been asked many, many times in the run-up to uh, 
uh, ensuing elections, what his policy was, and he has held to it. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Rangi, in the leaders' interviews that I did on Morning Report, I spoke to Winston Peters and asked him about this constitutional convention. Here's that exchange. In terms of uh, building partnerships, uh, again, with parties uh, after the election, you spelled out in 2005 your position, which I think you still hold to, which is this idea that there's a constitutional convention... Don't that say you... that. I've heard you repeat that on, on your programmes. I never used the word constitutional convention. I just said there's a convention that in the first place you would go to the party with the highest votes. I never used the word okay. constitution. Mr. 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 Espinar, words matter. You're a trained man. Please stick to what I said. I thought I was untrained from 15 minutes ago in the conversation. Well, anyway. maybe just give me a further evidence. <laughs> I was right the first time. Maybe you were. Um, so is that still your position, that you talk first with the party that gets the most votes? Well, that would be the normal thing to do. But, of course, when you say talk, it depends who's better to talk to you. Mm. So he did use the word constitutional convention, as anyone with a Google connection can find yep. in that 2005 speech. I've, I've shown it to you all many times. And words matter, Guy. And actually, he's right. Words do matter. And so, A, he's not telling the truth about what he said back then. It's there for anyone to see. Yep. And B, where does that leave us now? He said then that that's, that would be the normal thing to do. Well... So where does that leave us now? So there are serious questions about why he has changed his position in the past two weeks and why he hasn't gone, what you're saying, is why he hasn't gone straight to, to sit down with Bill English and said, you're the biggest party, let's sit down and yeah, negotiate and government. Just, just to make that clear quickly, because yeah. I don't want people thinking that that's what I think people that he should do. No. I don't care. He can do whatever he likes. I don't think there is a constitutional no, convention. Well, exactly. I think anyone who can get over 61, good luck to them. Exactly. So don't hold me to this. What I'm doing is trying to hold him to what he said yep. and has repeatedly yep. said, that there's a constitutional convention. Now he's, now he's not saying that at all, is he? He's saying, I need to wait to the special vote so that I could possibly form a government with these other guys and try and wind up the biggest concessions out of any of them. Again, fair enough if that's the way you want to play a negotiation. But he could have said that to two weeks ago. The thing that sticks in my craw is that he laid out what he was going to do, and he's done it several times, and then he doesn't do it. And this is my complaint, as, as we've talked about on this podcast before, that throughout the campaign we have not had clear answers and, and, and uh, from him about how he's going to handle this, what his bottom lines are, and not just his bottom lines in policy, but his bottom lines in this kind of government formation stuff. And so we now get to the point where we say, it's too late because it's happening, and we haven't, apart from the odd exchange like like yours. And and you know, look. To be fair, uh, you, know, you talk to the to the journalists who have been on the bus with them around the regions, and they say they were asking him the stuff every day. Every day they'd say they'd ask these questions, and he would just flannel every day. He wouldn't give an answer, so it never really got reported. But but the point was, he refused to answer those questions. So he can hardly complain now that people speculate when he chose not to actually give information. You know, it does actually he has to take responsibility for his own choice of of, of what he's shared and what he hasn't. Yeah, mm. and I would also because he raised in in the press conference and he's raised it several times about the fact that the media ran a first past the post style campaign. While I accept some of that criticism because obviously the change of leadership meant there was a lot. Of of attention on the two main parties. Winston Peters was invited to participate in television um, yes. debates, two of them, in fact, which in total would have been about two and a half hours of television, and he declined that invitation. Mm. So there was a missed opportunity to talk to him about that. I would say we know that there is no constitutional convention, and in fact, um, the former Governor-General, Jerry Matsuparai, made it very clear in a speech that he gave is that it's about whether you can
can deliver the numbers. You don't That's need right. to be the single Absolutely. biggest party. No, you just we, need we all, we all, you need to deliver. Yep, you need to deliver stability and uh, show that you've got the numbers to push forward with the government, and that is. It. And 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 if he'd been realistic before the election, he would have he couldn't and would have said, um, you know what? If I'm in a position to be the decider after the election, I will sit down and get the best deal I can for my party and my people. That would have been a more honest reply. And then he could have stood up at this press conference yesterday and said, you know what? I'll answer what questions I can as straight as I can. There'll be a lot I can't answer. But what you need to know is I'm going to wait for the specials, and that's fine. I've got no problem with them waiting for the specials. I think that's actually respectful to those 15% of voters who haven't had their vote counted yet. Absolutely fine with that. Um, but he then he could have said, but I'm also going to recognise the fact that this is a proportionate system. I've got 7.5% of the vote, and I'm going to act within the limitations of that mandate. Well, that's important, isn't it? Because that is one of the key words of MMP, mixed member proportional. And you go to whether he is going to be be able to exercise a lot more power than that seven and a half percent. Now, of course, he's got he's got the cards that count. Yep. But also, with respect to the system, which has been we forget because um, we've been relatively settled with our electoral system yeah. over the last right. uh, twenty years after um, Helen Clark and, and John Key got a better handle on on how to run those governments. Um, but you know, it wouldn't take a lot for people to get um, pretty upset about the system again. I think too, right. if. I'm not saying he's because we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do. But if if he wields a disproportionate uh, amount of power with those votes that he's got, then I think people may well be upset with the system. And again. Lisa, you've you've done some yeah, numbers on I, this. Yeah, I have done some numbers on it. I looked back at '96 and just looked at the block that formed government. So I'm not talking about people's raw results. I'm mm. talking about the block that formed government. New Zealand first got about 28% of the vote that formed government, but they got 42% of the cabinet posts. So um, it started off with a, a, a 26-person um, cabinet, and initially New Zealand first got five inside and four outside, but the coalition deal was that moved to eight inside and three outside, so that's a total of 11. So in terms of proportion, he punches above his weight. And in 96, we can all remember the policy gains and oh, I mean, he got the treasurer shift and so they were mass, the list, massively disproportionate. There was a list up the wazoo of yeah. what, what, he, what he got from those policy gains. It was kind of like winning one of those supermarket competitions where you get your trolley and for three minutes you run down the aisles piling everything <laughs> in that you can. And kind of, well not kind of, that, that's what he achieved. Although, your grandmother although, tells you what to buy. That's right. Basic food. Although there's a, That's right. If your, <laughs> if your grandmother knows... <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a caveat to that. I, people who, who were in that negotiation, I've said to me not quite recently, they said, but, but Bill Birch put a caveat on every page of those deals that they get. Policy conditions allow. Official conditions allow. So yes. they always had an that out, an that out clause. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, this is this. I agree with Guy, and I think one of the main concerns for people is whether the tail is wagging the dog. Yep. And I think it's an interesting conundrum because if you've got two parties, Labour and National, who are potentially going to end up negotiating with Winston Peters, this is kind of probably one of the few occasions where you can say there's a case for price fixing because <laughs> how much are they prepared to pay? And they need to take some responsibility for this. Um, it is a binary thing. You're either in government or you're out. So what are you prepared to give up in order to achieve that? So if they both were to say down and say, okay, it's not going to be a shared prime ministership. He's not going to get a deputy prime ministership. But when people start throwing baubles, yes, let's use that word, then um, 
you know, it becomes a bidding yeah, I contest. Yeah, I can hear what he'd say to that. Yeah. Collusion behind closed doors exactly. by the two old parties. And yeah. if they came out and said that before the election, his, his, his polling probably would have gone up yeah, through the roof. True. But, but I mean, imagine yeah, seeing yeah, he loves, Ardern he loves, and English standing beside each other in well, the, at this on point, next Monday would, and it, saying At this point, it, would, it would be interesting. And there's where you throw in the thing that Twitter absolutely hates, um, which is, you know, why don't the Greens pick up the phone to, to, to Bill English and cut out Winston Peters? And it's it, it's this, it's the same thing, isn't it? If, if, you know, laying aside for a second about how repulsive their membership finds that, and I understand that, but it's about if you all don't play that game, but one guy does, then that's how he gets the power every time, right? Yeah. Because yep. as Lisa says, um, Bill and Jacinda both want the prime ministership, and the Greens have been either naive or honest enough, depending on how <laughs> right. you want to look at it, to tell people before the election what they are going to do and align themselves with Labour and their membership. And so they, they've given away their negotiating power in the interests, you, you could argue, of transparency. Yeah, but the I, guy who's not right. prepared to play that game yes. is a guy who ends up with 93% of New Zealand not voting for him, and he decides who the Prime Minister is. And, you know, I think, that, you know, there's some yeah. head-scratching that will go on. There, there, there needs to be some boundaries put around it. I mean, on the Greens, I, I get slightly frustrated with this argument because there are a lot of people who stare at the Greens and say, why, thus, why can't this dog be more like a cat? Because it's a dog. It's quite simple. This is who the Greens are. They are a social justice party. They do not believe in the ideology of a national government. Are they an environmental party? Yes, they are, but they're, but they're <laughs> both. And, and to pretend that they, can, that they can somehow chop off one limb to be all the other... I just it's think interesting, though. I wonder what silly. their vo- actual voters if, think about this because, mm. you know, uh, uh, there must be a lot of households out there where one person voted national and one person voted green. Because, well, again, we've looked at this and I've updated this for after the election because they got 2,200 party votes in Epsom. Yep. And in Mangere, Manako East and uh, Manyadewa combined this time 1,500 votes. Yeah. In those big... South Auckland's electorates, so those poor electorates, let's yeah. face it, 500 votes in each electorate. But, but, they so stand, but they stand for what they stand. They stand for sustainability, both ecologically and socially. That's where they come from in the values movement. Um, and I just think to pretend that they would somehow not be that... Um, they did, they did pretend that under um, Russell Norman. I remember yeah. a speech very well in the Clark years where yes. he stood up and he said that National was Coke and Labour was Pepsi. It might have been the other way around, <laughs> yeah. but the point was the same. Which is blue and which is red. Erua, erua, they're both the same, and that was what he said there. Look, I'm not advocating for James Shaw to pick up the phone to, to, to National. I know that that's not going to happen. I know that the membership wouldn't allow it to no, happen. and the 75% and, and, vote and they would And I know that the party yeah. wouldn't survive. Yeah. My main point was that if they don't play that game and everyone else doesn't play that game, that's but true. one guy one does, guy does. No, which I is Winston, yep. then, um, then... He gets the baubles. Then he gets the baubles, and, and he <laughs> yep. gets all the leverage. But in terms of that, I would also say, okay, so 7.5% of Mm. voters did vote vote for this party in this man. So they have seen his track record. They know how he behaves. Well, they'll be loving they, it, won't they? They should have anticipated this. Well, that, that, they, that, that, or that, or they're, they're ones, fine with it oh, because no, they that, know it's what will happen. Oh, they will be. I would imagine that those 160,000 people who voted um, New Zealand First will be absolutely loving this. 162,000, sorry. Actually, nearly 163,000. Don't do Just shy of 163,000. Yeah, yeah, he'll be on the line to me. Words matter and numbers do, do too. too. That's right. yeah. um, how so, much those policy cost again, yeah, Mr. that's Mr. right. I'll ask your grandmother. Um, 163,000 people. People voted for him 7.5% on the night. I imagine that they'll be very happy 
with that because they voted for Winston to extract as much leverage yep. as possible. And, and, I, I think it's the 93% who didn't vote no. uh, for him that, um, well, some, some of those might be, might, that some of them might be angry about it. So what's going through his head right now? He is thinking, presumably, um, while he is um, preparing to negotiate, what he can get out of it. I think we would agree that um, despite his, his talk about constitutions and so forth, he is there to extract as much as he can for his party and his people. Is it as simple as that? I think on the current numbers... I don't think he would do the deal with Labour and the Greens because I think at 61 seats, he would see that as too fragile. You know, you're only one by-election and let's face it, we get three or four doozy scandals a year. Yep. This is New Zealand, right? Some Juno right now will be digging up something about one of these MPs and if you fall in a by-election, your whole government could go. But we're now, almost certain to get at least one that is why on the specials. Wa- that's why he's waiting. Yeah. I don't think at that level he would go. If it was two more for that block... Which is likely. Which mm. is likely possible. and possible, possible. Dep- depending on your... Sure. On, on one your, likely, on your two possible. Okay. One likely, two possible. Fair enough. I think he he would be a little more comfortable with that. Um, it's a sixty-three um, seat majority in the house, as yes. opposed to the sixty-five I've, seat majority he could have with like National. In that case, it's, it's much closer at that point. So, isn't it? so we genu- we believe that he is genuinely waiting to see what the what the two blocks are in terms of the numbers, how much closer they are after the specials. Yeah, because also because if you've got two people who are dry, trying to buy something on Trade Me, then you're going to get more than if one person wants to buy it. Sure. So he's got one buyer in the market at the moment, I would argue, national. It's the only buyer in the market. I don't think at 61 it's it's there, and he knows that. So mm. he's got one buyer. He waits for the specials, and he's got two buyers, because I think that history showed us that the specials will put a, le- a vote at least one seat yes. for the left, and that means there are two buyers, and that, then the price goes goes up, right? That's right. And so that's yeah. he, and the price he's is, a negotiator. And, and the price will be um, survival. He doesn't want to be another minor party that disappears and fades away. Um, he's been through that himself before. He's seen just about every other minor party in a coalition go through that. He's tried to somehow um, put up a firewall between now and 2020. He wants to be able to presumably try and win Northland back or get a seat back on the board for, for some yeah, kind of safety. Maybe. He needs to deliver I, something to it. I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I, I agree. Don't know. He he is pondering legacy in the sense of his the continuation of his party because mm. it's something that's come up a couple of times. It came up in his speech in Russell. He talked about doing what was the best thing for the future of his party. And I see the future of his party, uh, the baseline is survival after he after he moves on. But that leaves him with an interesting predicament because if you go with national, fourth term governments are not horribly popular and we see from what happened with the Māori party mm. that if you're at the table, you potentially go down with the ship. And in yeah. fact, sometimes you actually get kicked for all the mistakes and, and that's the, a really interesting, of, of the other that, that's, that's really yes. interesting because it doubles back on what we're talking about with the Greens too yeah. and about this idea that um, your, your party needs to survive and if you go into government, then your party dies. And there's been a lot of that, hasn't there? I mean, in in 96, New Zealand First just made it back um, in 99, mm. much reduced, so they have mm. they just about died. When he went into government with Clark in 05, the party was booted out in 08. Yeah. And you go back through the alliance, which did its deal with Labour and went to the cabinet table and died. The Māori Party and ACT uh, to a degree as well. Peter Dunn's um, United Future ministerial spots and death. But it goes back to that um, saying in journalism about the guy with the best contact book. Oh, I've got this great contact book with all these amazing sources. His mate says... Oh, so do you get some great stories? He says, 
I couldn't possibly use the context because <laughs> then I'd lose them. Yeah. And, and it's, just, it's the same idea that you, if I ever go into government and actually do something, then I'm going to blow up. So I've got to remain uh, pure mm. and impotent forever. So this is the this is the this dilemma, is dilemma of MMP and yep, and Greens is. find themselves yep. right in that now and now taking away some of the uh, emotion about whether they could sure. work with National because I know that that upsets some some people <laughs> and I'm not advocating <laughs> Just it a but few. <laughs> but you know if you could actually get your policies implemented then other parties and Green parties in Germany is uh, case in point yes. you know you, you go and try and do that or do you stay forever pure on, on the crossbenches? Possibly Winston will go for a crossbench deal this well, time. Well, that is, look, that is, it's one of the that options. Is, it remains an option. Um, you know, if he can resist the baubles, then yeah, the, from a survivability point of view, that could be the mm. better option. I, I just think that that question about how he actually is then in a government with either party, how he actually blocks out the stuff that he can take credit for, that he can take to the next election. If you're in with national and you're trying to win the regions and farmers and so forth, do you just get swamped by? the farmers in the regions giving the credit mm. to to National for that. So is it better with Labour? Yeah, well, on, let's on look f- at Labour, because we haven't talked enough about this, Because no. and, and it's a good place to jump off from, is because if he goes with Labour and he's interested in the regions, that's the death of the of the water tax for a start, isn't it? Well, so he, he, he was pretty clear about that in the yes. lead-up to the election, that um, there would be no tax on farmers, full stop, mm. no how, no way. And Jacinda Ardern, although in the couple of days prior to the election, took a very firm line on when it was put to her, put a very firm line on it saying this is our policy, this is our policy, this is our policy and now it's everything's yeah. under negotiation. Mm. No, look, I think that's really interesting because if, if he goes with Labour, you, I, I, some of the, the commentary in the farming press in the last month or so was, I mean, you would think Jacinda Ardern was the wicked witch of Mount, <laughs> of Mount Albert. She, you know, they were, there was some <laughs> he talked about demonisation yesterday. Yeah. You should see some the demonisation in the rural press around around the Labour Party. Yeah. Um, and they didn't so, blink an eye when um, when Teo Sperrings was given eight million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so he so you get the situation now where he could go in with Labour and stop the water tax and be the hero of the farmers, yeah. but he would still be delivering a Labour Greens some kind of party. And would that be? So I'd be interested. Would that be good from, or bad? I'd be interested to hear from you guys what you think would be the pros and cons of Jacinda Ardern taking up the, you know, the role of Prime Minister if Winston bestows it on her. I well, mean, there is she work away with? It's kind of interesting because some commentators and, and even some, um, you know, left-leaning commentators have said, walk away, mm. walk away, stick the car in reverse and get I out of there see, as quick as you can argument. and mm. wait till next time when p- potentially, and you never know what will happen, but potentially when when she could be delivered a cleaner uh, arrangement in terms of that. So, yeah, you can look at that and see some logic in that. From Winston Peters' point of view, we talked about the fact that National will have a, a, a whiff of, of whiff of the um, stale and older and potentially downward slide mm. in four terms. Looking at Labour, he might see that as kind of being a fresh attachment and that gambling on the fact that they could get two terms. But as it's, we say, yeah. it's a tighter, tighter and it's, majority. And it's harder with three, isn't it? It's always harder it's when always you're harder dancing with three, with three people yep. because... Um, and look, you know, I'm not saying it's not a legitimate, um, you know, option. Uh, totally, if you can get over the 61, and they may be able yeah, to make it work. But here's a couple of quick points no, on but it. Before you move on mm. from that, people say it's a harder option. But when you look at the coalition, the two coalitions mm. that Winston Peters has been involved in, one blew apart, and it was the simplest one. Yes. And the one that did not blow apart had a flipping cast of thousands from <laughs> from all, all different 
um, walks. You know, it had yeah. But who did he lock out? It, well, of the cabinet, he locked out. He locked Greens. out the Greens. Yeah. But they, which but, would happen again, presumably. Yes, which would presumably happen again. Mm. Abstaining on um, confidence and supply. But he was in there with um, United Future Party of One, Peter Dunn. They both had cabinet portfolios. That rhymes. Outside, <laughs> yeah, outside of cabinet, so they could you know moan and groan and. What have you yeah, about, I think that's about a, government? That's a, I think that's a good argument. And then you had Anderton, party of one again, yes, you did. in there with with yeah, Labour. Those, so those, you had a no, gang of five. Yeah, guy you, on. you did, and and I think that's a good argument. I, I think the slight difference is when they're not just parties of one. I mean, yes. you can see the same with National, and people say, "Oh, well, you had a bunch of people." You did, but you know, David Seymour. Um, or uh, Peter Dunn yeah. and a couple of, of the Māori Party guys they only got to two or three. It's a little bit different when you have more. But, it but I think is, your point's but the a good argument, one. The yeah. argument in that is by having a larger number of people, the spread of power is thinner, arguably. Mm. So you don't have one guy with 7.5% in a supermarket grab situation, yeah. you have Which a bunch of people who wants. get a little bit of the pie. Yeah, I think that's a good argument. And but would he be willing to share the um, the trolley? <laughs> to use your analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and my other, my other quick point on that is something to watch out for. Yeah. How how united do you think the Greens are at the moment? I mean, I've yeah, I, I'm not on the phone to people. I'm no. not I'm not a working investigating journalist looking at these stories. I'm interviewing mainly at the moment um, for Morning Report. But from what I hear, there are a few issues there, and yeah, they've got some soul searching. When to you do. bring in a deputy, uh, well, well, sorry, the co leader, co leader, mm. and that, how is how is that going to work? Might not be a problem at all. I might be reading too much into that, but I just wonder whether. That could get a little messy as well. I don't know. They've got a new phase to move into. They, mm. the, the the Norman and now Toure years are, are behind them, um, which is their second phase after the, the Fitzsimons and, and yep. Donald phase. They're now into phase three, and that is going to be a, a new rebuilding thing for them. They did not. They are also half of what they've been at the past two elections um, in support, so they, they have some work to do. Um, and I think after the shine of, yippee, we got over the line, has kind of eased, yeah. you know, because they would have been um, deliriously happy to have made it in. But I think over the next while, when they settle back down and see what they could have had, what they lost, mm. what they um, stuffed up, mm. then, yes, there's going to be a time for significant reflection. Yeah. So we're going to enter uh, a long waiting phase now, aren't we? We are. It ain't and that long, though. No. Or in the modern media cycle, <laughs> we're, and this is and this is this is serious as well. The world's changed a lot since the the twenty one years um, of of ninety six. People's people are different. The way they consume and expect decisions. I, I'm not saying that um, you know that he, that he, he shouldn't wait till there. I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of pressure between yeah, now and I was I was going on then to say that you're going to have this long hiatus with all sorts of swirling stuff because no matter what Winston says the media and the media cycle and people's curiosity yes. is not going to stop right? no, and, and journalists are going to that. be journalists and of course they, they're going to be asking questions Peter's, but, anger, Peter's anger at some of the reportage in the past few days you know we can, we can talk about how you know how you report things and yeah, what sure. weight you give to things but these things did not get made up. The people who no. said, they go, oh, the journalists just make stuff up. Yeah. No, it did not. No, These no, stories didn't. came from somewhere. They came from somewhere around his camp. Said, as Lisa said, most of the questions were just um, basic, sensible questions you'd want to ask. But what and, I was, and, and I was just going to say, yeah. but you, you, are, you made that point earlier that why did Winston do what Winston did? Mm. Well, why are some of the stories coming out that are coming out? 
that make him look hostile to national. Hmm. Maybe because, as you say, there's only one bidder in town at the moment and he wants to try and price up the price. So let's be honest about that. Yeah, what I was going to say too is you're going to have this weird sort of hiatus period and then you're going to go into massive overdrive between the 7th when the specials come back and the self-imposed deadline of the 12th that Mr Peters has put on himself. So that's going (laughs) to... It is five days of of, fun time, frantic negotiations. Hey, let's step back before we finish and and look a bit at the night and the results because we obviously Mm. there has been an election since we last had our caucus (laughs) meetings. Um, How did we do, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, I can't see us anywhere. Oh, there there we are below internet party. Uh, (laughs) Oh my god. Um, What did we make on the night? It was. I think we agree it was a pretty phenomenal result for a third term party. We can we that's that's you know any yeah. Yeah, any third term party that gets better than mm, its first oh, term result has got to be good, and, doesn't and, it? In some ways, that's the most boring story of the night, and the most overlooked story is 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 the blindingly obvious one yeah. that um, that National at forty six percent, having got more than when Key stormed to power in 08, yeah, is bloody phenomenal. And I would also add in there that people were chomping and moaning about the polls. Well, no, they got it right. The polls got it right. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think, you know, in terms of observers, they maybe anticipated it would be closer than what it was. Yes, but I, I thought Labour would get higher. And I think, I think, let's face it, you know, Jacinda Ardern, you know, she did a phenomenal job when you go back to her taking over yes. from Andrew Little, yes. right? I accept that. We had the tax issue, which was a, a blemish and not handled well. But I think on the night they just underpitched. You yeah. know, I, I, I thought they were good for late 30s, and I, I, I was wrong. I, I thought that they would get more than they did. I think they'd be a bit disappointed with 35. Yeah, um, the, I, the, the election day came a little almost too late and too soon for them. It was it was too if it had come two weeks earlier, mm. that initial wave would yes. have would have still been riding. Um, but I think clearly the 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 sowing of doubt that National did um, made some impact. And let's be honest again that um, I like to keep a list of you know some of the dumbest political decisions in New Zealand history, and I always talk about the putting up the tram lines in Auckland or. Muldoon mm, pulling out of the, Kirk super scheme and stuff mm. like that, the things that could have been. Na- Labour putting capital gains tax back on the table in its first term has yeah, got to be of gift, one of the it? dumbest political decisions yeah. we have seen in my lifetime, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, so I, I would have to say that um, <laughs> it is a win in terms of coming back from the doldrums that they were yep. experiencing with Andrew Little, but you, um, it ain't a win on the night because no. you want to be the the biggest party home and they were not. And, and, that's and, the other and interesting, not by a significant Yeah, chunk. and that's the other interesting point is that um, that Jacinda Ardern herself said during the campaign that there was an expectation that the largest party would form government yep. and then went on to say that her aim was to beat National. Yeah. Now, now, good on her. I mean, it's... Politicians call them aspirational goals, I guess, <laughs> but um, they failed to do that by they, some, they by did. some and, way. And, and look, if you if you labour and you step back from the um, excitement of gone from from early twenties mm. to late thirties, which is obviously a, a great result on those terms, you look at some of those seats. And I, I did this last night. Um, you know, Labour lost the party vote in Mount Roskill, in New Lynn. In Teatatu, wow, in Napier, that. Right? in mm. Palmerston yes, North, mm. they did. They lost the party, but those are all seats yeah. that they won as electorates, and they need to be winning those seats and more in 2020. And they lost the party vote there. They've got some work to do. The Jacinda mm. effect did not mm. sustain in a lot of places. Well, I've got some musings about that, and they are just musings. But a number of those seats, and I looked at them as well. Uh, they would arguably, you would say they were conservative seats, you know, Mount mm. Roskill, the old Bible Belt kind of yep. um, scenario. Jacinda Ardern came out pretty strongly um, on the campaign trail 
on her views in relation to abortion. She had said that she would also um, vote for the Euthanasia Bill at its first reading. So social conservatism. Social social Mm. conservatism. And the interesting thing, and you you did raise this, I think, Tim, in the couple of weeks before the election, you had um, a national MP coming out really strongly about Jacinda's liberal um, views in that area. And we discussed, I think, about the fact whether that was orchestrated or whether that guy had just sort of... Mm. You know, O'Connor just because it was a dead cat, dead cat on the table approach again, wasn't it? Yeah, and Maya didn't really pick up on that. No, and and now, now I wonder more Mm. about that. And it's it's interesting. You look at the, you look at two in in some of those Auckland seats. There were two new national MPs. The national MPs in Auckland too, actually, the incumbents incumbency was bad. This election, incumbents went down just about across Auckland. And Mm. if Auckland is the way to government, then then both parties have got something to worry about there. But the new national MPs in some of those seats did quite well. And some of those new national MPs are very socially conservative. You look at Pink out in Helensville, Brown in, in um, Pakaranga. These, yeah. are, these are Christian conservative MPs. Mm. They did well. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's an interesting point. And then the other thing I'd just like to raise is the the death, the death of the small parties. Oh, no. um, and and I think that that is sad in one in in many ways. Forget people's political leanings or or their views on um, particular policies. MMP is about uh, diversity of opinion and diversity of parties, and we have lost some of the character and diversity oh, from, totally from Parliament as a consequence of that. And I think it also raises some serious questions for National because they're running out of friends. So is there room for another party to the right of ACT? Mm. Is ACT even a party anymore? Well, I, tell you, I just wanted to make a quick point on that myself about MMP <laughs> because of the 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 Epsom um, bolt hole. So <laughs> <laughs> ACT is in there with 10,000 votes. The Māori Party got two and a half times the vote that ACT got. They're gone. Top got nearly five times the vote that ACT got, and they're not there as well. Now, I know why, and I know the system um, works that way, but again, I think there are questions about representation there. There's a lot of voters, tens yep. of thousands of voters there who've got no representation. Well, you, you go back to the commission and you say lower the threshold like we've, we've, or, we're supposed to or, have had. Or you biff out the, the, the coattail yeah, yeah. rule. Yeah. Yeah. But this I'm, is an opportunity for, for David Seymour, isn't it? You're right, there is presumably space on the right. He's got three years now of his own oh. time to be able to... Yeah. Re, to re, and, and if national... No, if, no seriously, <laughs> you're looking at me like I've gone mad. Seriously, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you actually Actually, um, if you assume that National heading into a fifth term doesn't necessarily hold together at 40-something, mm-hmm. high 40s again, then maybe there's some fragments of voters on the right for ACT or a party like ACT yes. to yeah. pick up. But I don't think it's negligence or lack of work that has meant that the ACT party's vote is low no, because look back, hard. it's he's been, it's and been, done, and it's done been right low too. for a while. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm looking at David Seymour thinking, aren't you more like an independent MP? And yeah. that would not be liked because yep. that would mean he would lose his overhang yeah. status if he was an independent. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. But now I've got the, 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 the Tim team and the Lisa team. We've never had a leader of caucus. Now I'm going to go away <laughs> for two weeks and make one of you the leader. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, well, but I'm bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think on that grounds we all have to regretfully decline and maybe wind up this caucus. But I think this party is um, maybe like um, the Opportunities Party. Our opportunity is passed. <laughs> 
So um, we had a deal um, 13 weeks ago to, to do um, these episodes until... Oh, well, that's what I said at the time. Now <laughs> I'm... Yeah. Yeah, now, we, we, we said we'd do this till this week. So look, at this point, people, um, this is the last caucus. So it's been a pleasure. Um, thank you guys for giving your time on Thursday mornings to talk about this. Over and out. Thank you for listening. Theme Sting is by Copa Music. If you're enjoying caucus, um, thanks for listening. But also do listen to Black Sheep, our history podcast, which this week's covers Arthur Desmond, arguably New Zealand's most influential political writer. You've probably never heard of him, but he uh, his writings are behind a lot of the rise of Donald Trump and people like him. He's in Black Sheep this week. You can see it on iTunes, Stitcher or on the RNZ website. This is Caucus Out. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.